All right, get your Bibles, and believe it or not, are you all ready for this? For the last time, until uh, we do it again, we're going we're gonna to finish up Colossians today. Now, I had asked Tom, and I got a snarky answer, um, but I had asked, does anyone remember when we started, when I started this series? Because some of you have these notebooks that go back forever. Was it the beginning of the year? I, I would think you're about right. All right, see, now Jay's, now Jay's getting in on it. <laughs> I think you're right, Aubrey. I think that signs the problem. You're right. Thank you for your, for your uh, observational skills there. You're trying to win them all. That's good. We're going to talk about that today, actually. <laughs> You'll be talking. Thank you. I, I, I will trust you to do that. He's, you're good for him. <laughs> All right, that, and I, I wouldn't be surprised. So we started that some time ago. We have never been one to break any speed records. I have a dear brother, pastor friend of mine, and he's got this uncanny ability. He calls them a satellite sermon series, and he'll take a whole book, and he just spends 10 weeks and just hits the highlights. And I've just never been able to do that. I, I you know, get stuck in the weeds. But this has been great. I know... I'm trusting that God's used this in your life. He certainly used it in mine. It's his word, right? Um, so today we're going to try to finish it. And I've just entitled this sermon, uh, We're All in This Together. Now, I had another title, but I use better judgment. Um, I, I, my, my original title was The Verses That Don't Matter. And the reason I say that is because we treat them like that, don't we? We read this conclusion. He's talking about all these people. We don't know who these people are. It's like, well, I could just speed read through this because there's nothing in here for me. But I want to assure you that's not the case, and I hope to try to prove that to you today. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I am a fan of old Western books. Louis L'Amour was one of my favorite writers. Um, his last book actually wasn't a Western. It was a spy about a Russian spy. It was excellent, and it was set up for part two. He wrote the first chapter of part two, the conclusion, and died. Uh, but I love Louis L'Amour stories, um, any of the Westerns. Um, you all remember the series on TV. How many of you remember The Lone Ranger? And some of you are old enough to remember the original Lone Ranger. Uh, and and, and that's, the, that's kind of the theme of it, isn't it, is The Lone Ranger... The thing I like about those Western series is the guy, he's out there all by himself. You know, the Texas Ranger who's going to bring law and order to the whole area single-handedly. We have the Lone Ranger. Um, and I think, I think that if you're not careful, sometimes we can think that the Apostle Paul was the same way. Just traveling from town to town, beating the odds and slugging it out for himself and doing this great work of God all by himself. But when you get to the end of his letters that he wrote to the church, you realize that, that something remarkable happens uh, because Paul starts listing all these other people who have helped him. I, I don't know. To me, it's like the credits at the end of a movie. Nobody stays for the credits, right? But we should. And, and these names begin to scroll. And even in a film, 
you get the idea. The only ones I've ever stayed for are the, are the Marvel ones because my kids clued me into something that there's going to be another video clip at the end of it that's going to set up the next movie that's coming that you're going to waste your money to go watch. So we'll sit through those. As you begin to sit through the credits in what, what Paul is writing here, you realize something. Paul was not a lone ranger. He wasn't out there doing all this by himself. He had a whole team of people and encouragers along the way of this journey. And, and he followed Jesus' example with the disciples. He traveled with companions, even in prison. They were with him. And he took the time to mention them and to praise them for their part, and think about this, and to give credit where credit's due. Isn't that interesting? Paul was no cowboy. He was not the Lone Ranger. Actually, he was the ultimate team player. I don't know about you. Do you have that picture of the Apostle Paul as his grand team player? He really was. And if you don't skip over his conclusions and his, his, his uh, last parts of his letter, you'll see that. One of the things we learn from a passage like this at the end of, the, of Colossians is that even the great Apostle Paul needed help. Even Paul needed friends. His ministry was incredibly successful because he enlisted others. And he saw himself as part of that team, not the whole thing. So with that in mind, I want to I walk through these last verses from 7 through uh, 18. And then we're going we're gonna to just break it apart by... Um, each of these folks will talk for a minute about who they are and then apply that to our own lives. So here it is. Tychicus, a beloved brother, faithful minister, and fellow servant of the Lord. He's going to tell you all the news about me. All right, that's verse 7. I'm sending him to you for this very purpose that he may, that he may know your circumstances and comfort your hearts. With Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will make known to you all the things which are happening here. Now remember, here is uh, in, in Rome, and he's in house arrest prison. So when he says here, I want you to know where he is. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you with Mark. And, and note this in your Bible. Notice this, the cousin of Barnabas. That's going to become significant here in a minute. About whom, talking about Mark now, about whom you received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. There's a reason Paul says that too. All right, and Jesus, who is called Justice. These are my only workers for the kingdom, my only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are of the circumcision. So in other words, Jewish guys. And they have proved to be a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greet you always laboring fervently for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God for I bear him witness that he has great zeal for you and those who are in Laodicea and Aeropolis again we were pretty sure that Epaphras started all three of those churches um, Luke the beloved physician and Demas greet you greet the brethren in Laodicea and Nymphus and the church that is in his house. So we've got a whole church and then the home in which that church is hosted. Now, 
When this epistle is read among you, see that it is read also in the church of the Laodiceans, and that you likewise read the epistle from, the, from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, we talked about this last week, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. Pay attention, Archippus. you got a job to do. Keep at it. This salutation by my own hand, Paul, remember my chains. Grace be with you. Amen. So let me just jump right in. You should have an outline there in front of you. And you should have front and back. Now, some of those copied weird. If you just have one side, you might want to go make sure you get a back side in there. And uh, we're just going to walk this through. Number one, I want you to see that there are two faithful messengers. Number one, two faithful messengers he mentions first. One is Tychicus, and the other is Onesimus. Now, Tychicus, the first one, let's look at him. He was a fellow worker, and he carried this letter to the church at Colossae, or to the Colossians. Now, we meet Tychicus first off in verses 7 and 8, uh, where Paul calls him um, a dear brother, a dear brother in the Lord, a faithful minister and fellow servant. He says he's going to tell you everything. He, he's bringing all the news with him. And I, that's why I'm sending him to you, that you might know about our circumstances. And I love this, and that he might encourage your hearts. How many of you love those people who come back and encourage you? Don't we need people who encourage us in our life? Um, so I guess Tychicus was really a mailman. <laughs> Tychicus was the first mailman. And that's how mail traveled. He's the one who actually delivers this letter from Paul to the Colossians. And by the way, that was no easy task in that day. Th think about this. Paul is in prison in Rome. Now, Colossae is on the, on the far eastern side of what's Asia Minor, think Turkey. So Paul is a thousand miles away from Colossae. Tychicus is not jumping in an airplane and flying there. You know, he has, to, he has to get there by foot. So he would have had to cross Italy on foot. Then he had to get and sail in a boat and sail the Aegean Sea. Then he has to walk an additional 100 miles on foot to Colossae. And he had to walk across Greece on foot. This, all of that just to get this letter. You see how important this was and, and his job? So, but Tychicus was more than just a faithful mailman. Paul calls him a dear brother, a faithful minister and a fellow servant in the Lord. He was one of those people that stayed with Paul and accompanied him faithfully on his journeys. He returned with Paul to Jerusalem on his third missionary journey through Macedonia. And jot this down if you would. This is in Acts 20 and verse 4. So he's been with Paul for a while. He's there in Rome now with Paul as Paul is, is, is under house arrest. And he's going to be with Paul when Paul writes his letter to Titus, and we see that in Titus 3.12. So this is someone who's become a companion of Paul, and he's also going to be with Paul again during his final Roman imprisonment at the end of which Paul is executed. And at, it's at that time that he writes his letter uh, of 2 Timothy, uh, or his second, excuse me, his second letter to Timothy, who's pastoring in Ephesus. So we kind of get a little bit of a timeline here. So Colossians is written earlier on. Um, and this Tychicus is a guy who's an example of someone who is faithful in the small things and because of that being entrusted in greater things. 
Isn't that the way it should be in life? Even as a child, you're entrusted with some small things. And as you get good at that, as your faithfulness here, what? You get entrusted with the greater things, right? Does that make sense to you? That's what ha happened with Tychicus. By the way, his name uh, literally can be loosely translated lucky. Uh, it means fortunate or favored or lucky. Um, but he's a servant of the Lord. And Paul is sending him not just to deliver a letter, but he's sending them, he's sending Tychicus to encourage their hearts. Then there's another guy, and it's Onesimus. Anyone know, anyone know anything about Onesimus? What do we know about Onesimus? He was a slave. Yeah. He was a slave. Matter of fact, there's a brother in Brazil who's one of our, he's a Brazilian. And um, his name is Onesimus. And his parents gave him that name in faith that he would become the slave of God. And this brother truly is. He truly is. So Onesimus, yeah, he was, he was a, a slave. Did you realize that, that Tychicus was actually carrying two letters with him? He carried the letter to the Colossians, but he also carried a personal letter to a member of that church. Yeah. And, and, and this was a personal letter to a guy named Philemon, who was a member of this church at Ephesus, or excuse me, at, at Colossae. And it's because it, this, th that whole letter, which is only one chapter long, we might do that one in the, in the winter. Um, that letter is to Philemon saying, hey, look, I know Onesimus, your slave, ran away. And you could have him severely punished for that. But he left you as a pagan. He's coming back to you as a brother in Christ. So in other words, as he runs away and ends up with Paul in Rome, he comes to faith in Christ. And Paul calls him there a, a fellow brother. He, uh, a faithful and dear brother who is one of you. So this church would have known Onesimus. Um, so we, we realize that Onesimus here has got himself in a predicament. So Paul sends two letters by the hand of uh, Tychicus. And of course he writes earlier in the book in Colossians 3.11 that in Christ there is no slave or free. There's a reason he was writing that. They had a direct context for that, didn't they? And then this other letter was going to be an example. So like Tychicus, Onesimus is a faithful messenger who will fill them in on Paul's situation. He left an unsaved pagan. He comes back as a brother. Isn't that good? Number two is his Jewish co-workers and comforters. So there are some Jewish guys. Now, now, Paul's ministry was primarily to what group of people? The Gentiles. And yet, he had these Jewish brothers that were encouraging to him and comforting to him. And we got two faithful messengers. And next, we move on to these Jewish co-workers and comforters. And by the way, these three Jewish co-workers uh, in the list will be followed by three Gentile co-workers. That's interesting, which is a further application of Colossians 3.11. No Jew or Gentile, slave or free. Um, so, but there are some Jewish brothers that were really encouraging to him. First of all, uh, we have Aristarchus. He's called the fellow prisoner from Thessalonica, and that's where Aristarchus was from. And when he says fellow prisoner, sometimes Paul is using that as a euphemism. You know, he's, he's with me here as I'm in prison. 
But a lot of people believe that Aristarchus actually was in prison. We know he was eventually in prison uh, for his faith. Um, so Aristarchus, fellow prisoner. We learned some key facts about Aristarchus from the book of Acts, if you want to know. Jot it down, Acts 20 and verse 4 tells us that he was a Macedonian Jew who hailed from the, the city of Thessalonica. Um, he, was, he was seized during the riot at Ephesus, and we have that in, in Acts 19.29. And um, he was shipwrecked with Paul on the island of Malta. So he was with Paul a lot, and that's in Acts 27 verse 2 and 41 if you want to jot those references down to go look those up so he has spent a lot of time with Paul um, and he was probably a prisoner on that ship on that prison ship headed to Rome um, and so in Colossians Paul calls him this fellow prisoner and he was someone that brought great encouragement to Paul because he stuck with him um, he is also mentioned along with Epaphras as a fellow prisoner in the letter to Philemon. The next guy is a guy named Mark. Now, does Mark stand out to you? He should. Who is Mark? What, what, when I say Mark, what do you think of? Huh? The Gospel of Mark. It's the same young man that wrote that Gospel. He also goes by another name, a, pre, a, a prefix name, which is John. John Mark. And, and you'll remember that uh, there was an issue with John Mark. Um, and it's interesting in here he says Aristarchus sends you his greeting and then he says as does Mark the cousin of Barnabas and you've received instructions about him if he comes you are to welcome him and we learn a lot about this guy this Mark in the book of Acts so he was with Paul and Barnabas now notice the first thing we note there is that he is the cousin to Barnabas so they're, they're related familiarly their cousins that's going to play into this so he heads out on the first missionary journey with Paul and Barnabas but you find out in Acts 13 13 he gives up and goes home right it, it's getting too scary for him he was probably a young fella and he got a little gun shy and he went home and you remember what happens in Acts 15 Paul and Barnabas get back and they're getting ready to go on their second missionary journey and what happens? Barnabas says, get cousin to John Mark. Say, well, all right, let's, let's give John Mark another shot. And what does Paul say? I don't think so. I don't think so. He failed us once. There's no second chances. Paul was kind of a hard nose. He, he, was, he, was, a, he was a pretty tough fella. But Barnabas, his whole name means son of encouragement. Aren't you glad we have those guys that hold the line and never give, but we also have those sons of encouragement? And by the way, you need both those kind of people in your life, and you need to be both of those people depending on the circumstance. Amen? So they have a, they have a disagreement. And so Barnabas takes John Mark and goes one way. Paul gets, gets together with a guy named Silas, and they go the other way. I was asked in our D group this morning which one was right. Was Paul right or Barnabas right? I said they were both right because the gospel went in two directions. And I think that was God's plan. Amen? And by the way, there's a little message in there for us. Don't be so afraid of conflict. Conflict is not your enemy. It's very often your friend, even in the church, to move the church forward in places and spaces that God intends it to go. It's not going to get there sometimes without that conflict. 
So don't be afraid of conflict. And of course, what Paul's talking about here is, hey, be, I'm paraphrasing, be nice to Mark. It's all good. We've made up. Mark is valuable. So here's a guy that blew it and yet was restored. How many of you are glad God is in the restoration business? Amen? You might have blown it in your life, but I'm telling you, God can restore and he will restore you. Failure does not mean the end. Oftentimes, it's the beginning. Amen? Someone wrote a book one time called Failing Forward. I love the idea because isn't that what we do? Most of the times when my, my failures that I have, God uses them to show me my flesh and show me what faith looks like when I trust him to do what I can't. So don't worry about that. Paul eventually restores Mark and he tells him, hey, when Mark comes to you, you receive him. Mark's a good guy, even though Paul had a very different opinion just a few years earlier. Oh, by the way, let me ask you that. How many of you know you're going to change your opinion of people over the years? Those people you got no use for right now, listen to me, they may be your best friends in 10 years. There are some people that really, in my opinion, messed up and messed me up in ministry here. And they left. And they broke my heart. They took a piece of me with them. Do you know some of those people are my dearest friends today? And I would have told you back in the day when they left that I would never have anything to do with them and have no use for those people ever again. And now we actually work in some ministry thing endeavors together. And I love those folks. And I can't believe it. <laughs> I can't believe that after all the dumb stuff that they did, that God has brought our hearts back together. And God does that teach me a lesson. I'm telling you, I think that might be the only reason we're working together today. As God's teaching me a lesson, I'm bigger than your petty hurts. Amen? It's just, I don't understand it, but I've lived it. Any of you live that? And be careful of people you're writing off. God's got a sense of humor. He's probably rewriting them into your story just down the road, so be nice to them. Because you never know. They're going to come back into your life. All right, everybody's got a past. Just because you have a past doesn't mean you don't have a future. And don't forget that. God is a God of second chances. Then there was this guy named Justice. Now, his name was Jesus. But here's my, by the way, uh, Jesus was a very common name. Matter of fact, they said in the first century when Jesus was born, it was the number, you know how they put those lists out of most popular names? Jesus was always number one for Jewish boys. They didn't call that Jesus is the Greek version. His name was Yeshua or Joshua. That's the number one name. Because the Jewish mothers and fathers would name their sons that out of hope, as an act of faith. Please send the Messiah. Send the send the Yeshua, which means Savior. We need to be rescued out of this situation. So they named their boys Jesus. So this guy's name was Jesus. But here's what's interesting. It didn't take very long. It did not take very long at all. We're still early on in the history of the church. And even this guy, whose name is Jesus, Yeshua, they start going by their middle name out of respect because the Yeshua had come. And we're not, we're not using that name. We already see it just a couple decades down the road. They're shying away from this name. It's becoming something of a name for one person and one person only. So he goes by his middle name. Isn't that interesting? Justice. 
fellow worker for the kingdom of God. Verse 11, Jesus, who is called justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God. They have uh, proved a comfort to me. Let me ask you a question. Write it down on your outline. Who are the two or three people that have proved to be a comfort to you? Jay Lauritsen, you've been in ministry like me forever. You're still in ministry. Did you have a you have a handful of those? There's probably not a lot. Probably not a lot, but there are some. I tell you one of mine. Jim Williams. Jim Williams have proved to be a comfort to me in my ministry here. He really has. Uh, um, who's your comforter? Who's someone that God's put in your life and has proved to be a comfort to you? I hope you have some. Hey, I hope you are one for somebody else. Amen? Who do you think will put you down as a list of those who have, you know, that Daniel, he has proved to be a comfort to me. Who's writing your name down? All right, number three. I want to get through this today, so I'm going to, I'm going to hurry on through this. Epaphras, the prayer warrior. Now, Epaphras is a guy who, who actually started this whole thing. So we know, we know a good bit about Epaphras. Um, Paul says of him in verse 12, he's one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, and he sends these greetings. Um, he, and I love what Paul says. He's always wrestling for you in prayer. Always wrestling for you in prayer. And he goes on to say um, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully Assured. So here's what we know about Epaphras. Number one, he is the founder of the church at Colossae, and we find that in Colossians 1.7. He started the church, and he most likely, because we don't know else who would have done it, he probably started the church down the road, down the river, actually, if you want to be accurate about it, in Aeropolis and Laodicea. So he starts, he's starting these small house churches, and uh, he's the guy that kicked it all off. And he's the one that, and imagine, imagine this with me for a minute. Travel's not easy, nor is it safe to travel. And yet he travels, check this out, a thousand miles by foot and boat. Most of it walking. Can y'all imagine this? My wife just went to Kansas this weekend. Uh, she left on Friday and got there Saturday. I know what that drive is like. It's about a 17, 18 hour drive. Can you imagine? And I, It'd be like walking to Kansas. Actually, it'd actually be a little farther than walking to Kansas City, Kansas. It'd be like walking to Wichita, which is further in. I, does any of you have a context for that? I don't. And Linda's laughing. Can you imagine? I mean, I, I can't imagine what that would be like. Walk a thousand miles and then to turn around and come back. So this guy walks, why does he go that way? Because he's telling, he's giving Paul a report of these baby churches, 20 to 30 people, 40 at the most, in these towns, and they got a problem. These people have come in confusing them with false doctrines. And he's willing to walk 2,000 mile round trip to tell Paul so he can get some advice. Amazing. So he's the founder. But here's the other thing. He is always wrestling in prayer. This guy was a prayer warrior. How many of you know a prayer warrior and have one in your life? 
I wish there were more. We need more prayer warriors. You know, um, there's a couple here in the church. One of them I'm missing terrible. She hasn't come back from COVID yet. Miss Memory. I, I need her to come back. I miss Memory. And that woman's a prayer warrior. We need her back physically with us. Matter of fact, we should, we should pray to that end, that that, that would happen soon. Uh, this guy constantly wrestling in prayer for this baby church. He was concerned about them. And then the last one is Bible Paul says of him, he worked very hard for the church. That's Colossians 2, 1. Uh, in verse 13, he says, I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and those at Laodicea and Aeropolis. Um, he was a hard worker. That, that working hard there, the Greek word means pain, strenuous work, and hard labor. This is Epaphras. Now we're going to look at his good friends and traveling companions, and oddly enough, these guys all happen to be Gentiles. Three Jews and three Gentiles. So we got Epaphras, the prayer warrior, and now we're going to have Luke and Demas. Luke and Demas, and that's in verse 14, and they were good friends of Paul. Paul calls Luke our dear friend Luke the doctor, and Demas send greetings. So Luke was Paul's personal doctor. We know Paul had problems, physical problems. We know for sure that one of them has a serious eye condition that kept his eyes all goopy and red and swollen and irritated. Um, and that becomes significant in the, in the ending of his letter because he writes it with his own hand. And you could tell. This is someone who can't see well. The letters were probably large and, and the handwriting messy because Paul had serious issues with his vision. So Luke traveled with him. I guess, I guess you could say that Luke was the first medical missionary. Uh, in, in New Testament times, right? Because he traveled with Paul. And of course, we know that what two books did Luke write of the Bible? He wrote Luke, but he also wrote Acts. And what's interesting is in Luke, it's not a first-hand account. He, 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 he talked to the people who were eyewitnesses, and he gathered the information as a really good historian. He was doing this for an official, a Roman official. And he was writing an official historical report of this guy named Jesus. And he writes, he, he did this or they did this. But what's interesting is in the book of Acts, in the back half of his report, which is a conclusion, it, it, it moves from he did this to here's what we did. All of a sudden, Luke has joined the team. You see it? It goes from he, third person, to we, first person. Now Luke's involved. He's writing about himself. Because he is Paul's personal physician. Then there's Demas. I hate this, but Demas was the eventual deserter. You find that in 2 Timothy 4 and also in 1 John 2. This is the guy that Paul says, Demas has forsaken us. The world was too much of a draw for him. Demas, because he loved this present world, Paul says, has deserted me. 2 Timothy 4.10. How many of you had some Demases in your life? If you haven't, it just means you haven't lived long enough. People are going to disappoint you. Aren't they? By the way, you might be a Demas. You might be one who have disappointed others. And we learn from this sad truth that not everyone in the church continues in their Christian commitment, do they? John MacArthur said this on this verse. Jesus had his Judas and Paul had his Demas. 
Even the two greatest leaders in the, that the world has ever known had those who failed them. Jesus had his Judas and Paul had his Demas. Let's just not be a Demas. Amen? Let, let, let's endeavor to be faithful. Um, all right. And then this almost done. The valued recipients, 15 through 17. He's going to name some. Um, and this is the last uh, Greek fellow, non-Jew, is Nympha and a church that met at his house. Now, now I'm, I'm just going to tell you just because I want to be honest with you. There's a lot of debate right here about Nympha. Because the word ends in the letter A and in the Greek alphabet, it's a feminine name. And uh, even in some of the other Bible translations, it says the church in her house. So Nympha may well have been um, a woman. We're not sure. The grammar lends itself to, to her being, to being a female. Um, but there's debate. So I know in the New King James, um, it refers to Nympha as a male. But he says, give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in his house. Did you realize that Christians, the church, did not meet in buildings like this until 200 A.D.? Y'all realize that? 170-some years after Christ ascended. It was 170. Before then, they just met in homes. Now, we can get off on both sides of that issue. And I know people that say, well, you know what? Then the only true church is church, house churches. No, that's, that's not what that means necessarily. And then there's others that, that say, well, you know, um, if you're not meeting in a church building, it's not really a church. Well, that's obviously not true either. So I think we need to have some balance on that. But I just find it, I don't know if you find it, I find it interesting that they didn't even have church buildings until 200 years later. So that's why he says the church that meets um, in his house. And then the last guy there is Archippus. And we talked about him last week. He's told to fulfill his ministry and not to give up. Um, keep your head in the game, Archippus. You've got a job to do. You need to do it. What's your job? And are you doing it? In what ways are you like Archippus? Warren Wearsby said this, Ministry is not something we do for God. It's something that God does in and through us. Amen? We need to get in the game. Tom just wrote a book called Get Your Head in the Game. Right, Tom? It's actually a really good book. Get it on Amazon. Tom's written several books. It's not his first go at that. Uh, we need to get our head in the game, don't we? We need to remember what God's called us to do. And, of course, the last one in here is the Apostle Paul himself in verse 18. He says, I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains and grace be with you. So he closes out the letter. He takes the pen from the scribe and he writes with his own handwriting the final greeting. Now, one of the reasons this was done at that time is it was an authentication of the author. They would know Paul's handwriting. So this, this was one way in which the readers were assured that this is not a forgery. Oh, let me, um, do let me back up real quick, put a pin in this real quick. He said, also share the, when you get it, share the letter uh, with the Laodiceans and you make sure and get their letter. That was most likely the epistle of the Ephesians. Um, it, had, it, it very well may have had that title of Laodiceans. They were part of that 
postal route that the whole letter to the Ephesians. So he said, when, when you read it in your church, send it out to them, and they're going to give you their letter. Um, Paul called it Laodiceans. It's called Ephesians to you and I. So just keep that in mind. So Paul's personal greeting, and then he says, don't, don't forget my chains, uh, that he was suffering for Christ in the gospel. By the way, have we forgotten that there's a price to pay for the gospel? I think we're being reminded of it in the world we live in today. I think we're going to be more and more reminded of it as time goes on. I'll never forget um, in the movie called Luther. When I've tried to watch everything I get my and read everything I get my hands on. I'm a big fan of Martin Luther. Just an interesting character. Very, very flawed man, but passionate for the gospel. That at the Council of Worms, his mentor who taught him was urging him to recant. And, I, and he says to his mentor, you told me to change the world. Did you think there would be no price? He told us to change the world. And why do we think there will be no price? And I love this. It's so, it's so beautiful. Such a beautiful, it brings tears in my eyes. Such a beautiful way to end. The letter begins and ends with grace. He starts out grace and peace to you through our God and Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. And he ends, grace be with you. Amen. It begins and it ends with the grace of God. So what are we supposed to do with that? So what? What do we learn from all these people that Paul names at the end of this letter? I think here's the big takeaways. We need to be a part of a team when it comes to doing God's work. God's work is meant to be done together as a team. I think there's a better word than team. As a faith family, right? We're supposed to do that together. And you're supposed to encourage me. And I'm supposed to be an Epaphras encouragement to you. We don't want to be a Demas. And those that have failed need to turn out to be a mark and be restored and useful for the ministry. Because you failed doesn't mean it's over. It might mean you're finally coming to the end of yourself and realizing that this faith family needs you. And you need it. Amen? We're meant to do this thing together. And I want to encourage you to put feet to that this week. You have opportunities. You have small groups, our DLT groups that are going to meet on a Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Right in the middle, you got three opportunities. Two of them are here. One of them is now at a funeral home in, in Warner Robins. you got opportunities. Look, you need those groups. So those groups need you. We're supposed to do this together as a team. T-E-A-M, together everyone achieves ministry. Right? It's what we're called to do. And that's why Paul mentions these people at the end. Now, we don't get this idea that Paul was some lone ranger and he pulled all this off on his own. Listen, without the people mentioned at the end of Paul's letters, I don't know if there would be a Paul and there would be a ministry to read about today. Paul needed these faithful people. So do you. And you need to be those faithful people for each other. Amen? May, we, may God burn this message on our heart. May God, may our hearts be the plowed soil that receives the truth of this. Summer, I guess, not, not officially, because I guess Summer didn't really, my daughter Emma's a stickler for this. 
I said, well, it's been a long summer. She goes, no, Dad, summer was just last Sunday. Because she's right. It's the 21st, right, is when summer starts. But summer, effectively, as we understand it, is, is about half over already. Brothers and sisters, there's work to be done. There is kingdom work to be done, and we need to do it together. So I want to, in closing, I want to ask you a couple of quick questions. If you were writing this letter, who would be your people? Talk about this in your groups. Talk about this on the way home. I would hope, I couldn't say for sure, but I would hope that, you know, if I asked my wife, you know, who are some of your encouragers, I, I would like to think I'd be towards the top of the list, but would I? Your spouses, I would hope, but are we the kind of spouses that would deserve that? Who else would be on your list? I think it's a worthy endeavor to go home and jot that down. Take each one of these. Who is somebody that you know that you need to remind them to, hey, God's called you to something. Get busy. Don't, don't get distracted. Who is somebody that encourages you? Who's someone that's just faithful? You know, honestly, I look out today at this group. There's just a handful of us here today. But you know what? You're the faithful people. You're the people that will be at the end of my letter. Winnie. Taught my son to play the piano. Gave him a gift that continues to be a blessing to the body of Christ. She'd be, at the, she'd be at the end of my letter. Who'd be at the end of yours? And would you be at the end of anybody else's? These are questions we need to ask. That God put us on the planet for. I think we could do better. I think we could do better ministry together than we're doing right now. And I hope to see some of those changes happen before the end of the summer. You'll be hearing about them. Just small opportunities to get together. I'll tell you one of them right now. We've got a service project that Tom has at least got the price list for. For a lady that lives, she's my backyard neighbor. You all know what a backyard neighbor is? There's a little bit of trees and she lives behind me. And uh, she got a lot of medical conditions, and, and we got to go replace her back steps. That's a service project. And I told Tom, I'm good at breaking stuff, so I'll take it down. <laughs> but, but we need to get a group of guys to come and put it back together because I'm really not good at that. Dale's laughing because he knows it's true. He's helped me before, or I've helped him. <laughs> but we got to get a group of guys and get the lumber and get over there and, and replace that for her. That's an opportunity to do life together and minister hands on stuff. Right? And I appreciate Tom's already made two trips over there to measure and get everything he needs. Praise. That's a faithful man. Tom's will be at the, at the end of my letter. We have so much opportunity around us. Let's, take, let's make good use of it. Amen? Let's stand, would you? Father, we love you today. Thank you for the opportunities you've given us. Wake us up. I thank you that uh, a brother came to me a couple weeks ago when I gave a challenge. And, and came to me and said, hey, I took you up on that challenge. And here's what happened. Oh, I can't tell you. Thank you, God, for for him and for the blessing that was to my heart. In fact, he'd be, he'd be mentioned at the end of my letter. I want to be the mentioned at the end of somebody's letter. And to do that, i got to wake up to some realities. And I pray that you would you'd wake me up, wake everybody else up, that we might make full proof of the ministry that you've given to us today. We might do life together, work as a team. Um, I thank you that the end of 
these epistles, they're not wasted. It's not just greetings. There's purpose in it. May we find it and apply it to our lives. In Christ's name, amen. Would you sing with me this morning as we leave? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, no D group or communion next Sunday.